Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. Hope everybody is staying safe and not going crazy due to the numerous amount of states that are now ordering people to stay home. It's It's been a crazy world the last week. It's amazing because last Friday we were packing up for school and it seemed blatantly obvious that there was going to be a closure in the future. And basically we had a half day. It was supposed to be a fun half day because we were supposed to have training and they gave us the afternoon off. And then literally we're getting ready to pack up and leave. And the email comes in that the schools will be closed until further notice. So we just kind of had to grab anything we could. We didn't even have a chance to really talk to anybody, grab your stuff, go home. And it honestly feels like it was two months ago and it was like a week ago, not just about a week ago, a little over. So it's been kind of crazy. I don't leave the house very much to begin with. I'm kind of, uh, I've said, my closest friends know this about me. I'm very uh, antisocial. I hate to put a negative connotation on it, but I don't, I'm good when I get out in crowds. I work that, you know, I can laugh and joke with everybody else, but I find it exhausting, honestly. And I like staying home with the family and the animals. And mostly on my summer vacations, I never leave the house much anyway. We joked one summer, and this is terrible to admit, but one summer over two and a half months, I left the house three times total. One was for a 4th of July picnic, and I ran to Walmart twice to get stuff. I think it was like probably Sterilite boxes or something. I don't leave the house. I'm like just much more relaxed at home. But anyway, even with that, just knowing that I don't have the option to go to some of the places I go to, or like the other day I stopped at Walmart because I had to get some Sterilite and it was just frightening walking around because it was like nobody there. My local Cumberland Farms, yes, I'm from New England, uh, they now have to get you your coffee and they have to get you whatever. It's just bizarre. So I know everybody else is going through it and I know we're probably trying not to think about it, but it's kind of hard to do a podcast or something like this when that's weighing heavily on you. Again, I think we'll pull through, but it's strange times, strange times indeed. I'm trying to get a hold of some of my students now because unfortunately with a lot of my kids, uh, school is a place to escape some of the their real life troubles. And I really do kind of worry about them because I, I can think of a few kids off the top of my head that they, they're at their best when they're at school. When they go home for the week and come back on Monday, it's like a train wreck because they put up with family situations that would really be difficult for any of us. So hoping they're doing well. So I'm trying to contact some of them now. I set up a Google Classroom. We're at a stay, kind of a stay pattern with my school district as they try to figure out what to do as far as distance learning because we are a huge school. And all of our kids do not have access to technology. So what do you do in a situation like that when maybe only a third of your kids actually can do the work that you're assigning? So anyway, it's been a kind of a nightmare. And I'm trying to figure, you know, the good news is I'm getting a lot of tarantula stuff done. You know, we fed all yesterday. I just finished a video that normally would have taken me a few weeks. I was able to get it done in a couple of days. I mean, we're trying to make the best of it, but it, it's very, very weird, weird time. So moving on, one of the questions I've been getting, and I think a lot of us have been thinking of this now, is now that we have these stay put orders and stores closing and non-essential business stores closing, what we're finding is pet stores for, fall under the category of non-essential. So unfortunately, that's putting for some folks that don't buy or keep a lot of feeders on hand and folks with smaller collections, that kind of makes sense not to have a huge bunch of feeder colonies ready to go because you don't need them. But a lot of people buy stuff weekly. I used to be the same when I had a smaller collection. I think, you know, right up to when I had like 50, I would go out weekly or biweekly and buy crickets. And it wasn't until I got to that point and realized how much money it was costing, especially if you go to a big box store like Petco or PetSmart or something like that. The amount they charge you per cricket is disgusting. So basically, those of you out there that are buying, you know, have been buying your cr- crickets or your feeder insects weekly and don't keep a lot on hand, now you're looking at the scary 
possibility that you're not going to be able to get food for your animals. And again, if this is like a two-week, three-week, even up to a month-long ordeal, we're probably okay. But once you start getting over that month spot, it, it, it does worry you. And I think with a lot of us, we know that tarantulas can go quite some time without eating. That's perfectly natural. I know people that feed theirs bi-monthly. They give them a couple crickets every couple months. With my G. Porteri years ago, I actually had a, my feeding schedule was like once a month, I'd drop in five crickets and she was perfectly fine. I change it now that, you know, now that I'm doing the Tom's Big Spiders thing, I tend to give them a little more because a lot of these guys I'm writing about to, you know, give husbandry information on and such and it, it behooves me to have them grow a little bit more quickly but we don't need to feed them as much as we do so please first and foremost before you panic keep in mind that if you give them fresh water you keep the conditions inside their enclosures correct you keep their water dishes full if it's a moisture dependent species obviously you keep that moisture level up to where it needs to be with a substrate if you do all of these things maintenance as usual your tarantulas should be fine for months honestly without having any food source. So let's let's try to alleviate some of the stress and the anxiety we're all getting right now, thinking, my God, what happens if this goes on for over a month or two months? In reality, they can go quite some time. If you think about it, the majority of us have spiders in our collections that have gone months without eating, months. And also, you want to think of it this way as well. We all have, the majority of us have a pretty aggressive feeding schedule with these guys. I was reading something from a, I believe it was a taxonomist or biologist, somebody that works in the field with spiders, and he was commenting on the fact that he thinks that the majority of people in the hobby overfeed their tarantulas. Now, I'm not going to get into that discussion right now because I have my own take on it, but you know, this is a knowledgeable guy, and he said, when you see them in the wild, they're never as fat as they are in our collections. We tend to, and again, this whether or not you believe you can overfeed them or not, that's a totally different argument, but we do tend to feed them more than they would get naturally. So if you think about it this way, and this is the way I'm kind of calming myself down in case we can't get anything, I think a lot of times we feed them because it makes us feel better, but it's not necessarily in the best interest of the spider. What I mean as far as schedules, if you're feeding them once a week, some people feed them twice a week, it's because we can't get over that idea that an animal can go a month, two months without eating and be perfectly fine. So if you're one of the people that's been feeding your tarantulas weekly on a weekly schedule, even a bi-weekly schedule, and you drop in a couple crickets, a couple prey items each time, chances are your spider is in fantastic shape and could go quite some time without having to eat. Now, if I'm somebody that feeds my tarantulas every two months, again, there's no problem because if we go two months without, if you fed them two months ago or a, a week ago, you can go another two months. There's no issue. So let, what we need to do in situations like these is kind of take a deep breath, stop panicking and think about the reality, not the ideal, not things that make us feel more comfortable. I think with a lot of us, and I know myself included, I've been doing a lot of feeding lately because I'm bored, because it makes me feel better. You know, when you're stressed out and you have things going on like we have going on now, I, I think with a lot of us, that's that's our happy place. I've been speaking to a lot of keepers. They're like, what have you been doing? I've been feeding my tarantulas. It makes us feel better. It's a lot of us that do it, we find it therapeutic. And people that don't get spiders find that incredibly disturbing because I've tried to explain it to people. Although people at work now will joke with me like, oh, it looks like it's going to be a feeding night tonight, huh, when I have a bad day. But for a lot of us, that's therapeutic. So what we're, in essence, when we're feeding them, when we're taking them out, we're looking at them, I always got a flashlight. I mean, here's my ritual. I take each of the cage out of my table. I remove boluses. I re-moisten I re the substrate if needed. I make it rain. Change the water dish. Clean the water dish out. Drop some prey in there. The prey is like the cherry on top. After you do all that, you drop the prey in. They grab it like, woo, it ate. Sometimes I videotape it. Sometimes I call the kids over. Sometimes Billy's with me. It's fun. It's relaxing. And now we're kind of losing that. So keep in mind that 
that if things go on for a while and you're not able to procure food for your tarantulas, you can keep them healthy in the meantime. It's not, they're not going to starve to death over, you know, a few weeks, over a month, even two months, as long as you, you know, if you've been feeding them well and they're in good shape, the exceptions would be, and the things I would worry about my own collection would be ones that freshly molted. And then usually when they, when they molt, obviously they're thin, it kind of freaks us out, even though again, it's natural and we want to try to fatten them up as quickly as possible. That might be something where I was a little, I would worry a little bit, but again, it it probably wouldn't be a realistic worry because in the wild, there's chances are they molt and it takes them a while to find prey and bulk back up. So always try to keep, strip away the anxiety, strip away the illogical thinking aspect of it, strip away the fact that a lot of the stuff we do with our animals, if we have a more aggressive feeding schedule, it's, it's to appease us. It's not really for the benefit of the animal. It's more to make us feel better, like we're doing something, like we're taking care of our collection because it is, it's difficult if you've kept animals before to keep an animal in a cage on a shelf and not touch it for a month or not really do anything or not feed it. It feels weird, especially if you come from a background of keeping the furry ones that need to be fed daily and need their water dishes clean daily and, and need exercise. It can be difficult to make that adjustment mentally. I've been doing this for a long time now with the tarantulas and I'm not going to lie. I still have a hard time when like, for example, with what's going on now, Billy and I were sitting there the other night, like maybe we should go out and buy some crickets and I might have ordered a thousand crickets just to set my mind at ease but again is that a logical response probably not I have some crickets on hand I have roach colonies there are ones I could pick and choose like I have a couple that have just molted that I would probably fatten up there are others I'd probably continue to feed my slings but there are others it's really not that big of a deal they can go quite some time so I think the to start this podcast off we're going to move a minute into some things you can do for feeders to make sure that you, you have some on hand but let's just to start it off. If you're one of those people out there that's freaking out right now, what am I going to do? I can't get relax. It's we're all good. And I'm saying this and this is something I've had to say to myself. So I'm not judging. I'm not sitting there saying we're all, you know, chicken littles screaming the sky's falling. What I am saying is I think our natural propensity is because it's a change. It's a deviation from the norm. We have our rituals, we have our feeding routines, and it's it's stressful to realize that you might not be able to continue with that routine. And I think for a lot of us that have issues, you know, the big issue is not knowing when this is going to end. So it's that uncertainty, like, well, what happens if this goes on for three months? I've been reading the news. They said this could go on through the summer. I think things will change by then. But even if they don't, there's things we can do in the interim to make sure that our spiders are okay. And depending on the species you're keeping, I'll tell you right now, Brachypelma, uh, Faunapelma, Gramostola species, those guys have gone months. Some people have talked about them going almost a year or over a year without eating. So they're going to be in good shape. If you have other tarantulas, it's not like humans, where if humans don't eat for a month, they're gonna, you're immediately going to see the weight loss. I've had spiders that haven't eaten for four months, five months, six months. Formictibus species, my Formictibus species blue that I just did a video on is stunning, went months without, she has, she ate probably two crickets in the last eh, year and a half she's perfectly fine she molted she's still she still looks chubby she still looks in good shape so let's my plea is to not panic you know feel free to reach out other people are going through the same thing you are i think we all just need to hear it and, and, and relax a little bit but know that your spiders are going to be fine so now moving on to the next part what can you do if you know if you're one of those people that wants to prepare and i think we we're talking about right now there could be a situation where you're not able there's people out there that might not be able to get prey at them so relax however if there's there's still time to act if you want to have something on hand for your spiders so a couple things to think about number 1 
mealworms, the large mealworms, you can refrigerate them and keep them for quite some time. I've had some in my fridge for a couple months. I still break them out. What happened was I ran out of crickets this winter and I couldn't get any more crickets because it was too cold and I didn't have a place at this point locally that I get them from. So I ended up buying some mealworms because I'm thinking it's a little cold, but the mealworms you can refrigerate. So long story short, I bought a thousand. They got lost in the mail over Christmas. They were gone for like two weeks. I put in a claim for Amazon. I contacted the person I bought them from, said, hey, they didn't show up. The person didn't get back to me for a while. Well, next thing you know, they sent out another box of mealworms. So what ends up showing up at my doorstep? Both boxes of mealworms. So I had 2,000 of them. So what I did is I put them in with some it's like shredded bran, wheat bran. It's like powdery, almost looks like sawdust. I put them in with that in a plastic container in my refrigerator. And every once in a while, I break some of them out to use them because what ended up happens, we found a place to get crickets from. I had my roaches and I really don't need them right now. But now they're going to come in handy because mealworms, they can be refrigerated. They can be held for some time. So if you go out before the pet store is closed down and you have a smaller collection, you could easily pick up several hundred mealworms. I think they usually sell them in little, like if you get them at Petco, they can be pricey, but they're little containers that have like 50 to 100 or you can get them 500. A 500 count container would at least give you guys something to munch on during the whatever amount of time we're stuck at home. And the fact that you can keep them in the fridge is great because you you take out what you need, you let them thaw out, they start wiggling around, you drop them in with your spiders, they eat them, everything's good. And then you can keep the rest in the refrigerator for later. So for those, I, I usually encourage people that have smaller collections that they're looking for something to feed or people that buy the tiny slings and like, man, I'm sick of going out and buying one cricket and cutting a leg off, whatever. These guys are great. I use them for, I use mealworm sections for my teeniest, tiniest slings. I cut them up with, I crush the heads. It's gross. I know. And then I use a razor blade to cut them into segments and then feed segments to my tiny slings so they come come out and scavenge feed. But those would be a good, I, I would think if you want something that's on hand, again, the only downside with them is they tend to be rather small for larger spiders. But if you drop in two or three of them, that's a good meal. I mean, that's probably every bit as large as a cricket, if, if not a little bit larger than a large cricket. So mealworms are definitely a good thing to stock up on while you have time. I know in my state, apparently on Monday, all non-essential businesses are being ordered to close. I usually get my crickets on Monday. So we're hoping we, we emailed the place and she might meet us there in the morning before this thing takes effect so we can get our crickets. But if not, I do have thousands of mealworms in my refrigerator that I'll be breaking out. They're not as convenient as crickets. I mean, I don't find them as convenient, although some people, a lot of people just use mealworms to feed their spiders. So don't get me wrong. It's just, I'm good with the crickets. I can snatch them up really quickly. And the crickets, they get such a feeding response from the spiders because all they do is roam around, jump around, make a a lot of commotion in the enclosures, which attracts the, the spiders to them. And what I found with the mealworms is sometimes they will burrow, which can cause people stress. So you can crush their heads, but they tend to, they, they tend to wiggle around a little bit, but not as much. So sometimes you have to use tongs to toss them like right in front of the spider and the spiders will grab them. So that's the only downside is they don't move as much as some of the other prey items and they don't draw those, you know, vicious responses, feeding responses from the spiders that you like to see, but they do work. They work and they work well. And I've used them before in a pinch. I've also used superworms, but know that you can cannot refrigerate. So if you refrigerate superworms, I believe they die. You can't refrigerate superworms, although they will keep for some time. So if you want to take a bin of, you can use bran, you know, shredded bran, you can use oats or ground up oats or whatever, and you drop the worms into it, those can work quite well too. Again, remember that they can bite your spider. So that's something to be careful of. There's a video out there. I believe I'm feeding one of my formictopus and it turns around, bites a formictopus leg that's something to be careful of. Those, you can crush their heads, but they tend to stop moving completely when they crush their heads. So again, you'd be down to dropping it right in front of the spider and hope it latches onto it or doing some tong feeding. 
If you're using tongs, be sure to use, like, they have bamboo ones, they're wooden, they're a little more forgiving should the spider miss the prey item and grab the tongs because you don't want them to harm, crack, or break their fangs on the hard metal tongs. So that's something to think about as well. Also, some people have tongs that have a little rubber coverings on the tips of them that might work as well to keep them from breaking off their fangs when they go at the tongs. Uh, so any of those would work well. Mealworms, good news is you can keep them refrigerated for a long time. The superworms, I had a thing of superworms that lasted months. And so if you can grab some of those, those are nice. And they're big too. So for your bigger ones, what I would do is if I was going to the pet store, I would, and I was going to had a moderately sized, moderate sized collection, I would probably grab a bunch of the mealworms for my smaller ones. And I'd grab a bunch of the superworms for the larger ones and have those on hand. Now for folks that use crickets, if you wanted to, and this is something that I did before. It worked fairly well for me. If you want to have a bunch of crickets on hand, obviously they don't live as long as you would like. And a lot of times people have a hard time keeping them alive for very long. One thing you can do is actually freeze the crickets. Now I had a situation, oh God, about two or three years ago where I bought crickets. It was supposed to be really warm. They were shipping second day. Well, they got stuck in the mail for an extra day and it got really cold. So when I got the box of crickets, it was like 500. They were all either hibernating or some of them were close to dead. I kind of let them thaw out. Some of them were alive. Some of them weren't. And so what I did is I stuck the whole box in my freezer. It killed them and froze them. And then what I did was put them into freezer bags. So I took the box out once they were all dead and they were very easy to work with because they were all separated and hard. And basically what I used is little spoons and I scooped them out and put a bunch of them like a hundred into each freezer bag and kept those and I would thaw them out when I would feed my tarantulas and again you can tong feed I found with some of my species you drop the thing if you drop the prey item right in front of them they immediately go at it which they did some of them I would leave behind for a little bit like I'd put it in front of their burrows I'd come back later they'd be gone but that can work as well and I know if you do a search up and I remember when I did this I did a search up because I guess some reptile people were would use the same technique and there was arguments about whether or not the the crickets lose some of their nutritional value when they're frozen. It was huge arguments over that. Bottom line, even if they lose a little bit of their value, it's still food for your animal. If you're not going to have food for quite some time, you could easily buy 500 crickets, freeze them in little groups of 100 or 50 or whatever you're going to use at feeding time, and then you just take one bag out, you let it thaw out. They don't smell. I will tell you that. That was good. Let it thaw out and then feed them all out one at a time to your spiders. Just again, you might end up using tongs with it because they're not going to be moving. They're going to be dead. But that's another thing you could do that'll help set your mind at ease. And I do believe last I checked before I recorded this podcast, I went on Amazon and eBay to the places that I normally order crickets from online and they were all still open and shipping. So anybody that, you know, is looking to pick up some, what I can do is put them in the description for this podcast with the links to the places that I've used before. I have a couple places that I've used that have been good. And the good thing is, even if it's cold where you are, or the weather isn't great, if you're going to freeze them anyway, or say you're going to feed, what I would probably do is I would get a batch in. I'd order more than I needed. I'd get a batch in. I would feed everything I got, take the rest of them, freeze them, and have them for later. And again, separate them out. If you usually use, you know, feed 50 out, if you feed 25 out, whatever it may be, put them in little freezer bags, freeze them up, and have them so you can thaw them out when you need them. So that might give you peace of mind knowing that in the very least, it's not ideal. 
Again, for the spiders that need some movement to trigger that feeding response, it can be difficult. I'm thinking mostly like my pokies are a little tough, tougher to do this with. Although I have tong fed before when I've had dead things, you just got to be extra careful that they don't shoot past the prey item and up the tongs and onto your arm. That's very important. But they can work in a pinch and at least you can have that peace of mind knowing that you do have some food for your spiders, which will hopefully alleviate some of the anxiety you're feeling over these you know ridiculously difficult times and what's going on in the world right now. So that would be my two suggestions for people that are looking for food. Uh, I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to ask if they'd use the the freeze dried one ones that you can buy f- freeze dried items. I don't think those are more for reptiles that chew them up and eat the whole thing. I don't think those would be really good for tarantulas. I guess maybe they could work, but I, I'd want the soft body of the the cricket or the mealworm so that the tarantula can dissolve it and eat it up. I wouldn't necessarily think the freeze dried one which would work, but you could make your own freeze ones, you thaw them out, you drop them in there, mealworms, take them out of your fridge, take out what you need, put the rest back. Either of those would work very well. So again, though, back to the opening of this podcast, the idea, don't panic. Even if you can't get anything, even if you can't find crickets right now, if you go to Petco and it's closed, or you go to Petco and they don't have any mealworms or superworms, relax. They're going to be just fine. And if you're somebody that, you know, you go out now, you hear this podcast on a Sunday, you probably have the Monday morning to get something. Uh, maybe I'll put this one up early so that people will have it to, in advance. Actually, that's a really good idea. That, here we go. Thinking on the fly as I'm doing this podcast. Maybe we'll get this one up tonight so that people can hear it ahead of time. But I think that if you if you go out there and grab some stuff, I get it. I get that right now we're all looking for just a bit of peace of mind. We're all looking for something to just say, hey, it's going to be okay. Things are going to go back to normal. And sometimes the things that we do day to day, like feeding our tarantulas, help us feel normal for that amount of time. So I, so I totally get from a psychological or mental health standpoint that being able to have these on hand is one less thing we have to worry about. So that would be my my number one, don't freak out. They're going to be fine. Number two, if you can move now, grab some crickets, order some crickets online, order some, I think you can actually buy the mealworms online. Obviously I did. So you can get all this stuff online, grab it now. It should be available. Hopefully when I'm done with this podcast, what I'll do is hop over and try to get some links to stuff, which will hopefully help some people out. I can also, when we post it up on Facebook, we'll throw up some links as well. Billy's been helping me with my, the reason I'm saying we is Billy helps me with the Facebook page now and does some stuff for me. So we'll get up some links as well for places that people can order that hopefully are still shipping and that have these things on hand so we can stop worrying at least about that aspect of it. Again, I get it. I totally get it. We were just discussing about it, so I don't want anybody to think that I'm not over here feeling the same type of anxiety because even though I can logically you know, detach from the situation and go, all right, my spiders will be fine for quite some time. They're all chubby and well-fed it still freaks me out a little bit. So hopefully that'll put some minds at ease. Now for the next part of this one, guess what? We're revisiting water dishes again. Yay! No, seriously, um, somebody emailed, apparently something's going on with the water dish thing because I'm getting a bunch of water dish questions again. I suppose I'm going to have to hop on YouTube and try to find out if somebody posted something up. But I'd be getting, somebody come on one of my water dish videos the other day and went, you do not need water dishes. Tarantulas drink from the soil. Uh, okay, so I did my whole spiel and, and went through it. And then somebody else is like, you know, you really don't need water dishes. They're not like dogs or cats. I'm like, okay. So I don't know what's going on with this. Again, I've long been a proponent of water dishes. I've gone through, I did a, a pretty terrible video actually, where it's just me staring at a dirty table with a bunch of like makeshift water dishes on it. But I, long story short, years ago, some YouTuber posted something up about how she doesn't use water dishes. And basically her main excuse for not using water dishes were, well, there was two. They didn't have them in the wild. And I believe her other one was it takes too much time, which really disgusted me. And this is when I was really getting into 
the Tom's big spider stuff on YouTube and trying desperately to help people make sure their tarantulas are as safe and healthy as possible. So I did this whole water dish tirade about how it's ridiculous that people don't have, you know, say they don't have time for it. Now it pops up every once in a while. And it's, I think what happens is people label it, label it as a controversy or a controversial topic. And I should do this when I used to do my tarantula controversies on my website, where I would take a topic and try to see both sides of it. And I think this would be a great one to do that with because I, I do understand where the people that are anti-water dish are coming from to a point. Like I can see the reasoning. I hear the arguments. I just don't think they're particularly good ones. I, I, I get it. I get what they're saying. And I think the main argument, the main part of it comes from the fact that, and, and I'll say this flat out. So I'm never, I never want to say something and be misunderstood. And the other thing is I try very hard not to deal in absolutes. It's been a running theme since we've started this stuff. And I think when you deal in complete absolutes, you set yourself up to a point where you're not able to see other perspectives. You're not able to recognize that there are sometimes gray areas. So let's get it out of the way. Can you keep spiders? Can you keep tarantulas? and not use water dishes. Yes, you can. Can you raise them to adults without water dishes? Yes, you can. Can Will they live without water dishes? Yes, they will. Let's get that out of the way. I don't think anybody, I'm not arguing that. I will I will not even try to offer up that argument because it's not true. And that's where we talk about gray areas. And that's why I think this quote unquote controversy has lingered so long in the hobby because there are people that have kept tarantulas for years and never used a water dish. So let's get that out of the way. That's not even, that's one of those things where people on the pro water dish side, we have to kind of take that one out of our our arsenal of comebacks because it's just not true. However, this is where things get a little annoying for me. Have we all seen tarantulas drinking out of water dishes? Well, if you're listening to me, chances are you have. I have people sending me pictures of tarantulas drinking out of water dishes all the time. I love catching photos of my tarantulas drinking out of water dishes because here is my main argument. If your tarantulas will drink out of dishes, if they will use dishes, if they somehow find it that they are thirsty and there is a water dish there and they will use it, wouldn't you want to afford them that opportunity? I don't understand the mindset of people that argue, well, they don't need them. Okay, they don't need them. They will get it from other things. I've heard people say, well, they'll just suck it out of the substrate. Really? And they will also suck it out of a water bowl and they'll get nice clean water and not have the chance of pulling in. And here's my big thing. We're starting to realize more and more with some of these species of tarantulas now, especially the moisture dependent ones, that when we put them in these little cages with a bunch of dirt and keep it moist all the time, we're breeding bacteria. Are you going to tell me that's sanitary to have it drinking out of that soil? Now, sometimes they'll do it. And there's nothing you can do about it. I'm sure some of the fossorial species probably do it out of the inside of their their dens when they're thirsty. You can't argue that. However, is that really where we want, do we want them to have to use that? Especially when we've seen so many instances of fossorial species drinking, arboreal species drinking, the arid terrestrial species. I can't tell you how many pictures I get of G. porteri or rosea or a fauna pelma or even... The C. cayenio pubicens or GBB, known to be a very arid species. I've caught them drinking off webbing. I've caught them drinking off water dishes. Why wouldn't we want to provide them clean water and access to clean water at all times? That should be the final argument. Why would you not want to supply your animal with access to clean, fresh water to drink at all times? What I don't understand. You can go ahead and say they don't need it, but if they will drink out of dishes, why wouldn't you want to supply that? I don't get it. They are pets. And the other thing that comes out, the, the argument that drives me absolutely insane because it's so ridiculous 
ridiculous is that, well, they don't have water dishes in the wild. You guys, anybody that's listened to me for a while knows what's coming next. Well, guess what? They don't have, they don't live in little glass or plastic cages in the wild. They don't have some human dropping in nice fresh prey for them every couple weeks in the wild. They, let's think of some things they do have in the wild. They have scorching hot temperatures and they can dehydrate and die. They can have trouble finding food because there's none in the area. They can have uh, freezes that could kill them, temperature fluctuations that could kill them. They can be predated on from other animals. So in that respect, if we're trying to keep things supposedly natural, if we're trying to keep things like, hey, they don't have water dishes in the wild, I'm trying to keep them like they are in the wild, then maybe you should, op- every once in a while, just open up your enclosure and let your cat go in and try to eat it. Because that would be kind of like the wild where things were going to, tr- you know, they're going to find the spiders out, they're going to try to eat them. Maybe we can bring in some, you know, Let's introduce some extreme weather conditions so we can really get that, you know, in the wild experience. So what I'll do later on is I'll just take some spiders and randomly put them in my refrigerator and pretend like, you know, oh, we had a kind of a, the weather got cold and let's see how they deal with it. Or we can go and when we make it rain, we can make it just torrential downpour so the tarantula has to cling to the side of its enclosure because its den's been flooded. Seriously, that is ridiculous. And it's, and again, I'm, I'm getting upset talking about it because there's, there's times I can have debates about certain things. So for example, the handling debate, I never get really amped up about it because I really do feel like both sides, I, I, I see both sides. I have my beliefs, but I do see the other sides of it and I get where they're coming from. And I think it's one of those gray area ones. This one, I just don't see it as much of a gray area. I see it as why wouldn't you want to make their lives in captivity as comfortable as possible? If we're trying to keep them, if we're going to talk about things they do and don't have in the wild, it gets ridiculous because they're not in the wild. They have a controlled environment. They have a Hopefully, in most cases, they have an ideal or an optimal temperature for them to grow. We keep them like right in that moderate range where the majority of them do quite well. They are fed regularly. They are hopefully provided with ample opportunities to get a drink. They are safe from other pets or animals in the house. These are all things you would do with any pet. Can you imagine somebody going, I mean, seriously, think of it this way. Imagine if somebody went, hey, you're going to water your dog? No, they don't have, when they grow up in the wild, when they were wolves, they didn't have water dishes. I just let it roam in the streets and drink from a puddle. That's ridiculous. Everybody would be like, what is wrong with you? You're not taking care of your animal. But for some reason, we justify it when it comes to invertebrates. And I always like, we we have a lot of discussions about people that seem to think of invertebrates as lesser pets. Like they're not, they're bugs. Like people are like, oh, when it comes down to it, they're bugs. Unfortunately, that right there is a sign of you don't care as much for your pet as you would for one of the furry animals. You wouldn't do that with your hamster or your ferret. You wouldn't take your ferret and just go, hey, roam around and drink out of the toilet because that's how you do it in nature. You'd find a, you know, a standing water hole or something. That's ridiculous. I've had people literally use the argument, well, spiders in the wild, they don't go out and find a puddle and, and drink out of it. No, because there's probably one outside of their den at some point. People forget the fact that a lot of these areas, there's morning dew. Every morning, it gets nice and moist and dewy, and there's dew. They drink off the foliage. They drink off of the ground. They, there's water everywhere. They It rains a lot there. They're able to get water from that. There are standing puddles. Like, if it rains around my house, there's going to be puddles everywhere. Local tarantulas could come and drink out of that. There's going to be plenty of places for them to get water in the wild. There are what we would call natural water dishes. I I mean, again, you can't discount the fact that the majority of the, again, not the arid species, but the majority of our species that are tropical, when they come out, there's going to be water in the morning, first thing in the morning, when they come up and and emerge from their dens or right when they're going back in their dens after hunting for the evening, there's going to be water and dew all around. So I think that's something that we tend to overlook or people willfully overlook or just ignore because it's inconvenient because I honestly can't see any reason 
why you wouldn't want to give most of your tarantulas water dishes. And I have, and, and there are some things that, uh, concessions I would make. Like for one, I've talked to people that they have tarantulas that fill up every single water dish with dirt. I have some that do the same thing. I personally doesn't bother me. I take the dirt, I dump it out, I rinse it out, I fill it back up, I put it in there again. I had a Formictopus species, a little story for you all, that was filling constantly, filled its water dish up with dirt. However, one day I filled the water dish up, I fed it, filled the water dish up, I put it back on the shelf. I came in that evening and guess what it was doing? It was drinking in its water dish. It, it was bent, you know, crouched right over it, drinking away. And then guess what it did the next morning? Filled it up with dirt. So there you go. There's one that was doing the dirt thing, but it was still drinking. So really, does it take that much, or does it add that much extra time to your routine to pull out a water dish? It's part of my routine. Every time I do the feedings, I take the water dishes out, I clean them, and I refill them. It's just part of the feeding. It takes like maybe an extra, I don't know, I'll go 30 seconds, even though I think for most of them, it doesn't even take that long. Sometimes it's just dump it out, rinse it, put it back in. It takes a couple, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Really, if you can't, if you're too lazy to spend the time doing that, come on. And again, I get, there are some people that are doing this and been doing this for a while and they'll tell you, I've been keeping tarantulas for years. I never kept water dishes in. And again, we talk about the fact that a lot of times what we do in the hobby is we look at what goes on in our old collection. We we use the idea and I think sometimes wrong, we use it the wrong way. If my tarantula is growing and it's not dying, then I'm doing everything right. And I've been guilty of this myself. This is why I always try to reevaluate things I'm doing. When somebody says something that I, that comes across as bizarre to me at first, I usually like put it in the back of my mind and think about it and hear, and I'll listen and see if I hear other keepers say the same thing. And that's how I adjust my husbandry. So I think a lot of us will go, all right, I've had, I bought this tarantula eight years ago. I never gave it a water dish. It's doing fine. I don't need a water dish. You're right. You don't need one. However, would it made would it probably made things a little more pleasant for your animal if it had a water dish all that time? Would there be days where it was probably thirsty that it didn't have anything to drink off? Because I hear the old, and this one drives me nuts. Well, I missed once or twice a week. Well, that's great. That's that's awesome. But that would be the equivalent of you're sitting in your house, you're not thirsty. Somebody stops by and goes, Hey, I have a nice Coke here, nice cold Coke. Do you want it? You don't want it at that moment, and then the Coke's gone, and then you're thirsty later on. So you have to wait for the next time they come around for the Coke. Like, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to go in your fridge and grab the Coke? any time. It doesn't make sense. We wouldn't operate that way. Why would we expect our animals to operate that way? The theory is with the water dishes, do they absolutely need them? Can they live without them? No. Does it make sense to make sure that they have, again, a clean water source available to them anytime they feel like they need it? Of course. Why... I can't think of another hobby where people would argue this. And they do. That's the part that blows my mind. Instead of people just going, hey, you know what? You're right. I'm going to start dropping water dishes in. Really, what does it matter? It's, it's, it's easy. They argue it. They dig in. Well, they don't need it. It's not about needing it. Again, it's not about needing it. So if you're having this argument with people, try not to take the approach because I'm hoping people out there, what I've been seeing... A video popped up a couple weeks ago, and somebody was basically saying how one of their animals looked like it was dehydrated and was scrunched up, and somebody immediately came on and went, listen, I noticed your substrate's not only dry, but you don't have a water dish in there. And the individual was like, oh, well, they've never had a water dish before, and the person was like, listen, they may not need it all the time, but wouldn't you like access to water when you're thirsty, not just when somebody brings it to you because the person was saying they sprayed or whatever. And I like that approach because it wasn't saying, I think where we go wrong sometimes is we try to argue when these people post stuff like this and we go, you need a water dish. That's the wrong approach because again, we're setting that black and white. We're setting that you absolutely need it. It is a gray area as much as I hate to admit it. I just see it as one of these deals where 
you would never do this with another type of animal. I can't think of another situation where we'd sit there and go, well, no, they don't need access to clean water. It's okay. So again, I'm not sure why this is popping up again. I, I'm guessing somebody posted something. This is usually the way it happens. And it drives me nuts because what will happen is I'll get emails or thinly veiled comments on my videos about stuff. This time, it's just been a lot of questions about why I should use water dishes. And, and one, one that came up lately, and it, and it was an interesting discussion, was somebody's like, all right, well, we all talk about water dishes, water dishes, water dishes, water dishes. How come a lot of people don't use them with slings? And I thought that was a very interesting question and a very astute question. And the guy further added, I hear a lot about slings dehydrate much more easily. Why aren't we giving water dishes? And I think a, a lot of people do try to give water dishes to their slings, even the tiniest ones, the Legos, they cut up the little plastic things that you pop pills out of, they'll cut those out and use those up as water dishes. Unfortunately, they evaporate rather quickly, but it does give them for at least a day or two a place to get water dish, uh, water from, and I think that's awesome. I don't necessarily do that, and I have done it before, and I had mixed results with it. I, the biggest issue was I was having things that were basically webbing right over, covering over the water dish as quickly as I put it in, and when you have those little teeny, if you're using like a dram, bottle trying to pull out a tiny water dish that has been webbed into all the moss and everything around is very very difficult without disrupting the spider without pulling the hole at one point I pulled the whole burrow out I felt terrible about it so anyway some people do do it though and that's awesome honestly and I do have it I do have some some of the Amec ones I started putting them in but the dram bottles are a little, a little more difficult but let's stop for a moment and think about what people aren't considering when you set up a sling what do you give 99% of the slings that we keep in the hobby you give them moist substrate. You give them sphagnum moss. You give them an environment that always has moisture in it. The, and just by nature of the environment they're in, there is water to drink, not just out of the substrate. Usually what you end up with is a little bit of condensation. If you're using sphagnum moss, I have seen slings go right up to the sphagnum moss and suck the moisture right out of the sphagnum moss. Sphagnum moss works almost like a sponge. It holds onto the moisture. You're technically giving them just a more natural water dish. Think of it that way. When you see folks that keep slings completely dry, you end up usually with dead slings because they don't have that moist environment to A, keep keep them from becoming dried out, and B, to find moisture when they need it. So I I got this person's argument, and I think they got my, my response back, is the fact that we keep slings differently than we do adults. Where They're always on moist substrate. If you're keeping them correctly, they should be always on moist substrate, the majority of them at least. There are some species that like we talk about avicularia species, you don't want to give, keep the, moist, the substrate super moist or at very least if you're keeping it moist, you want to make sure there's excellent cross ventilation. But for a lot of species, we want that moist substrate. You can dribble it on the webbing. The other thing is when you're keeping something in a dram bottle, even if you put those little holes, usually what we do is we take like a thumbtack or a pin and we put little holes in the lid. That doesn't allow for a lot of evaporation, so the moisture stays in there much longer. You also will get a little condensation. If you ever spray the inside of those bottles, you get a little condensation along the side. Guess what? I've seen slings go out and drink that condensation. They don't need the water dish at that point because there's moisture around them. Now let's look at the adults. Much bigger enclosure. No, they need more water than that. I've seen a spider that, and this is you know when you realize how much they require water, my grandma stole a perteri, obviously, one of the most infamous arid species. They, they abhor moisture as far as substrate is concerned. I have video of her somewhere drinking, and I think it's two minutes of video of her drinking. And she went on for like another, I don't know, 10 minutes. She was over that water dish for quite some time drinking because I had let it dry out for a while. I didn't realize it had dried out. She's on a higher shelf. I, it was poor negligence on my part. But a lot of people don't even give them water dishes. They'll just spray a corner or whatever. 
the amount she was drinking, that would have had to be at like, she would have had to basically, if I sprayed down the enclosure, she would have to go there and siphon all the water off the enclosure. So I don't think sometimes we take into account, we keep slings and adults much differently than each other. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. The adults are going to require more water. Can they drink off the size of the enclosure? Yes, they can. Will they drink after a misting or when you miss the side of the enclosure of the plants? Yes, they will. Will they drink off of the webbing? Yes, they will. However, let's keep in mind a lot of tarantulas are nocturnal. They will not come out of their dens or their hides when the lights are on. Even if there's water out there, they're going to come over later, come later at night. And I've had situations where when it gets dry enough around the house and I missed my enclosure, within a couple hours, that's all evaporated. So if I go to bed, say I go 8 o'clock, I go in and I missed all my tarantulas, which is unrealistic because I could never do it in that amount of time with the, as many as I have. But let's say I go and I missed all the enclosures. I go to bed, lights off, go off at nine. My tarantula comes out, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe 11, whenever it comes out. There, A lot of that could be dried up by then. So wouldn't you want to make sure that when your tarantula comes out for the night, when the lights go off, it's like, all right, I'm going to come to the head of my den, do some hunting, or maybe I'll go out, walk around a little bit. And if I find a water dish, I'm going to take a drink. They got, It's about giving them the opportunity. They will use it. Why? Bottom line, We've all seen them use it. Why wouldn't you give them that opportunity? That's what it comes down to. So we can do, people can argue all they want about the reasons why they don't do it. They don't need them, whatever. I just don't buy it. I've seen enough of mine drink. We've all seen enough of ours drink that, to know that they do appreciate having a source of clean water at all times. So that would be the, you know, if you, if you find yourself in a situation where you're discussing this, that would be the avenue I would take. Feel free to chime in with more stuff. I have I have list of notes that I've taken for this because I am going to do a new tarantula controversies. I haven't done one in a while. And I may do it as a video too because it would be nice to update the one I did years ago that's pretty crappy. It's literally me talking. It was before I used to appear on camera with my camera directed toward a dirty table with a bunch of water dishes on it. It's pretty horrible. But I think my message was good and it, was, it came from a, a place of huge frustration because what happens is some sometimes, and this is where YouTube comes into play, sometimes people put up videos and people will criticize, you know, you don't have water dishes and they give their arguments for why they're not using water dishes. And then people come to my videos and go, you don't need a water dish. Why are you putting a water dish in there? That irritates me so badly. I can't even begin to tell you, you all because I, I know why I'm doing it. Now I've got to take time defending myself for doing something that I think everybody should be doing. All right, so I'm coming back to this. I just got an email notification and I had to pause it and delete it because when my email goes off, it causes a big noise, which would probably startle anybody listening to the podcast. But anyway, I happened to click over on it and now I know where this is coming from. Oh boy. So I'm not going to get into it, but I just got it. Somebody sent me a, a link and said, oh yeah, by the way, have you seen this? And I'm crying out loud. So anyway, now at least I have an idea of why I'm getting this question so often. But back to the topic at hand, I'm going to do a tarantula controversies of these. I've already started taking notes for it. It'll be a good one. And maybe we'll revisit it on the podcast. Again, I hate repeating myself. I hate the fact that I keep coming back to this topic. I hope people don't think it's because I'm sitting here trying to, you know, running out of ideas. It's not that. It just seems like it's one of those things that rears its head every once in a while and I feel a need to respond and give my perspective on it because again I'm trying to get for the whole Tom's Big Spider stuff I'm trying to get people to make the hobby easier for one and try to give people all the tools they need to make sure that their their tarantulas are as healthy as they could be and I do feel like water dishes are an important part of that again I just it's one of those things that I, I get the other I see where the other side is coming from I get what they're saying, but then it all comes down to the fact, but 
they will use them. They will drink on them and name another animal that we keep in the hobby. I'm sure somebody will come up with something. But the majority of animals we keep at home, we make sure they have access to fresh water. Why wouldn't we do the same for our spiders? Why wouldn't we do the same for our arachnids? So that's my two cents or probably gave you about $1.50 on that one. I'm sure it'll pop up again. Hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully it'll just die down and people will, you know, again, spread the message when somebody says they don't have water dishes. Do it politely. There's no need getting in an argument and you'll be able to tell the people that just aren't going to listen. There are people out there that unfortunately, no matter how many times you try to explain it to them, they're, you know, too stubborn to admit that maybe they're wrong or maybe that there's ways they could improve their keeping then you just kind of back off. What are you going to do? It just drives you nuts if you continue to fight against that. But anyway, that should do it for this one. Uh, hopefully, the stuff about the feeders was helpful. Again, I'm, I know the majority of people I talk to through the website, through YouTube, and th- my podcast folks use the water dishes. So I, I feel badly that I'm kind of, I guess, preaching to the choir there. But again, when it, it there always seems to be these things that pop up that I get like – they come in waves. All of a sudden you get a, a bunch of emails about, you know, the size of enclosures. You get a bunch of emails about substrate. Now it seems to be the big one is the water dish argument again. So I felt the need to, I felt compelled to kind of cover that, but we'll try to leave that one alone for a while. Well, until, at least until the next time somebody says something or something happens and it pops up again, but that'll be it for now. So Anyway, before we go, I do hope that everybody out there is doing okay with, you know, again, it's crazy. And I don't want to, I'm torn between mentioning this because I think the majority of us are trying to forget about it, but, or, you know, trying to address it. So here we are, we're just going to address it. Obviously things are nuts right now. And again, you kind of can't avoid it on this one because the topic of conversation for this podcast is directly connected to what's going on in the world right now. But I do hope you guys are all safe. I hope that people, I... A, for folks that have been laid off, I feel terribly and I hope that you're doing okay. For people that are trying to figure out how to homeschool with their kids now that their kids are home, believe me, I get that. I'm a teacher by trade and I'm struggling with it myself. There's just so much going on. So I do hope that people are staying healthy mentally and physically because, again, although I'm pretty much a shut-in in real life, I do get that the majority of people like going out and about, like hanging out with friends, like going to bars, like doing all the stuff that kind of gets us out and about and allows us to forget about how crappy the world can be sometimes. And I do hope that you guys are all doing all all right and managing. So again, hopefully this helps provide a little distraction from the things that are going on. I know I've enjoyed sitting here doing this one. I've kind of, you know, as much as it keeps popping up, it's it's been fun. I feel like I'm talking to people because I'm not getting a lot of conversation these days. Just Billy and I and the kids and my spiders, which don't tend to talk back. But um, again, I hope everybody's doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, and hopefully this will pass soon. And we can all get back to business as usual. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. As always, you can find me on Thomas Big Spiders, the website. You can find me on YouTube. Obviously, you guys are listening to me through the podcast, so we don't have to cover that one. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys all next time.